Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad God changed your life? He's the God that's so worthy. And I won't shake my Bible at you. I'm bad about that. He's so worthy. I was challenging the morning service. And if you can describe God on a piece of paper, that's not the God that I want to serve. Amen. There's some things that he does that I can't understand. And things he does I don't like. But <laughs> and other things I just love. You know what I mean? Uh, I want you to remain seated for the reading of the Word. We're going to read 10, 10 scriptures today. If you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3, we're going to continue our series, The Runner. I had to calm down over there. I didn't want to get up and be a blubbering fool. But man, when you think about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, man. You think about your shortcomings and it's good stuff, isn't it? Man. I'm going to collect myself here. It's good. God's good. God's good. I tried so hard. I don't want to be a bothering fool. Uh, so we're talking about runner and we're talking about Jonah. And let's begin with chapter 3 before we go too far. Then we're going to get into some truths here. But let's start with chapter 3. And I've read it like 50 times, so hopefully we won't stumble too much. If, if not, just uh, read your Bible to yourself and you won't stumble. Amen. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to, began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be, shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh leave God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then the word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose to his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. And he issued a proclamation published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, 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 we came up to the altar. Now we turn around and we change. We're different. What were we searching for? We're different when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of disaster. Praise Jesus. How many of us have been saved by disaster? Amen. Saved from disaster, not by, excuse me. <laughs> that he said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing in all that you do. God, today we've already experienced your presence and not just the omnipresence, not just that you're everywhere, but God, we've experienced your intimate presence and that's what we desire, God. We welcome you in this house to continually move and do, God. We love you so much. And everybody says... I wanted to show a clip today. I didn't get it up. There's a wonderful clip that says, You can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's tough, man. 
Tom Cruise is a young lawyer. He has a superior up, and he's questioning him. And he makes this famous statement, and, and, and the superior looks at him. He goes, what do you want? He goes, I want the truth. And the superior says, you can't handle the truth. And this young lawyer thinks he's entitled in these different things. Kind of sounds like some of our culture today. But there's the truth. And if we understood, if we understood the grace of God fully, eh, we can't handle the truth. What was mentioned in the first sermon series here is that God's grace is so magnificent, so wonderful, deeper than I can think, deeper than I can imagine. Why would he want to save Nineveh? Nineveh had destroyed many Hebrew people. They were brutal. Man, the evilness that was in there. Because I can't handle the truth about the grace of God. So today we're going to talk about some truths. In the mind of a little girl, I'm not an expert, but I do have a daughter. I'm learning more and more every day, okay? In the mind of a little girl, unicorns and talking, talking gummy bears do exist. Am I right? Amen. It's true. They do exist. Another thing that I've learned, another truth, behind every Benjamin, there's a Benoni. Now, Benjamin was the son of Rachel. Rachel died giving birth to him. His father was Jacob. And upon birth, Rachel said, I'm going to call him Benoni. She passes away in delivering the child. And, she, and Jacob comes along and says, no, you will not be called Benoni, which means out of my suffering. Instead, you will be called Jacob, which means strength of my right hand. And I know that behind every Benjamin there's a Benoni. We've all heard it. Boy, don't you talk to your mama that way. And now that I'm older, I understand that a little bit. Because see, there were some times that mom was sick. Yet I came home and the dishes were done, the clothes were folded, the house was put together. There were some times when she had a splitting headache, yet she still took me to practice. Boy, don't you talk to your father that way. Because I'm now old enough to understand there was times that we go to work, maybe putting up with a little bit of flack or something like that because we got to put food on the table, shoes on the kids' feet to do the activities that mom and daddy are running them to. See, behind the strong man or the strong woman we see there was a Benoni. Behind that Benjamin that sat next to you, there was some suffering Go ahead and put your arm around your wife or your husband there. Simply say, I got you, baby. I got you. I got you. We got to have each other's back. Deacons and elders and pastors, I can't say anything I want to them. People who's been part of the church for years and years and years. Such a beautiful place. I, I look around and we see beautiful lights and we've got beautiful media, beautiful worship. We've got beautiful chairs to set in. We've got a beautiful parking lot. We've got a beautiful entryway. People shaking hands and welcoming us, right? Oh, but behind the beauty, there is a Benoni. There was some suffering. There were some vacations missed. There was some giving that took a lot. There were some tears and some sacrifice and prayer. There were some midnight hours burned in order to be where we're at. Why? Because the truth is behind every Benjamin, behind the strength, there is a Benoni. There is some suffering that we haven't seen that we're not aware of. Another truth 
It's going to be kind of hard to handle. You guys ready for this? It's hard for a kid to be a kid when the adult in the house is acting like the kid. It's hard for a kid to be a kid when the adults are not. Mm. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Truth's fun, boy. I love it. Okay, here, here's one. Here's one. Deodorant and perfume or cologne are not interchangeable. Okay? They each have different applications. All right? All right? If you've ever walked by a junior high locker room, for some reason we think the more acts we spray on our body, it pushes the smell away. Not true. Okay? It enhances. It enhances. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to help some of you guys out. Maybe get a lady friend or something. Okay? You're not going to do it with acts. Bathing. Okay? That's how we did it. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll move on. I'll move on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's the coach in me. I'm sorry. That's the coach in me. That's the coach in me. I'd go to class and walk by the locker room. I'm like, oh, I'm, glad. I'm glad I'm a high school guy, not, not a junior high guy. So, because, man. Okay. So, the first thing, as I, we read the text, the first thing that glares out at me, the first truth that really glares out at me is this. Direction from the Lord remain the same. In chapter 1, verse 2 of, of Jonah, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. As we know, we've learned, Jonah jumps on a, a boat and tries to go to Tarshish, and rebellion is in his life. Funny thing, despite the rebellion that was in his life, God's word did not change. Amen? Despite the unfaithfulness that Jonah had allowed into his life, the word of God did not change. Despite the culture that Jonah allowed into his life. He didn't like the Ninevites for what they had done to the Hebrew children. Matter of fact, he goes up later and watch sets on a hill to judge them and see what happens. But despite all of that, the word of the Lord did not change. In, in verse 2 of chapter 3, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. Interesting word, arise there. The first time, arise, Jonah. Get up, wipe the sleep boogers out of your eyes, comb your hair, brush your teeth. I got a word from the Lord. I think early in the days of the church when people would prepare themselves and, and they felt like dressing, I, I think we, we go too hard on that. Because you know the radicals, right? The radicals get all of the attention, right? You got to have your cuff links this way and if, you're, if your press doesn't go straight down, if it curves, man, I don't know if you're safe, bro. You know? But here, I think there's something to that. I'm, I'm getting myself together. I want to come into the house of the Lord because I believe today He's going to speak to me. Whatever, whatever He wants to say, I want to be prepared and ready. Oh, but when we enter in rebellion, arise, Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them what I have to tell them. And that time, the second time, it was more like arise, get the seaweed off your neck. <laughs> Wash some of that fish feces off of you. <laughs> Get your clothes in order. It's a little different, right? When we run from the Lord, it's a little different. But despite his shortcomings, the word of the Lord did not change. In our culture today, we want to be careful because the world would instruct us that man, the Bible's for 2,000 years ago. Nah, it's different culture, different people, different sin. No, it's not different sin, bro. Cheating on your wife 2,000 years ago is cheating on your wife today, okay? It just, we seem, you know what I mean? I'll stop there. But you know what I mean? It's still sin. It's still the same thing. But see, as we see Jonah here, 
As he, as, as he jumps the ship, as he goes in, he begins to take the word. He didn't take the word of the Lord, and he goes his own way. Now, this is dangerous, and this is why. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. Now, check this out, too. He chose to be mistreated. This is Hebrews 11. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then Jesus describes it like this. He says, he says broad is the path to destructions. See, this is the thing. Our mind will trick us. Remember, the heart's deceitful. It'll lead you the wrong way. So now i got a path that everybody seems to be going down. It appears right to me, and there's a little bit of joy in it. So now I'm in trouble. That's the reason why I have to go back to the Word of the Lord. What did He say? That doesn't change. Because two two of the three of the verses I just read, what does it say? The path leads to death, leads to destruction. So I have to go back to the Word of the Lord. And it does not change. I can take courage in it. So what do we do? I think it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. How do we get the word of the Lord? Psalms 46 and 10, he says, Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes that means I need to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go to my couch and open up my word and say, God, what are you speaking to me? The kids are in bed. My wife or husband's asleep. It's calm. I'm in my chair. You don't always have to be on your knees. Maybe, maybe you go out beside the Black Jackson Timbers by a running creek and sit down beside it and say, God, speak to me. Whatever, wherever you go. But this is the most important thing that Jonah did not do. We've got to push our emotions away. Be still. I've got to put my mindset aside. My opinions doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether I agree with God or disagree with God. What did he tell me to do? That's the direction that I need to be clear on. Because if not, I'll wind up in the fish's belly and I'll be rocketed out of that dude like a clown out of a cannon, right? Repent! That's the picture I got whenever he was talking about projectile vomiting. You know? That's what I got. Pretty illustrated mind, I know, I know. We've got to be careful. Or that's what we'll do. So we've got to make sure we find our way back. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still. It's so hard to do in our world. I've got soccer practice. I've got football practice. I've got baseball practice. I've got like 27 games to go to this week. And i only got three kids. You know what I'm saying? i got this and I've got that. Don't forget about work. And be still. I think God is saying when I talk to you, I want that to be the most important thing. Tune it out. Is it more important than sleep? Is it more important than food? What's the voice of God speaking to you more important than? My wife was kidding with me the other day. She goes, Matt, do you want to hear God speak? I said, yeah. She goes, open up your Bible and read it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. She goes, Matt, do you want to hear God speak audibly? I said, heck yeah. She goes, read the Bible out loud. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's it's great stuff, man. Great stuff, you know. Okay, the second truth that I really feel jumps out to me in this is change includes emotion and action. Emotion and action. Change includes emotion and action. Back in August, the sermon series was preached here by Pastor Mike. Information, inspiration, and transformation. 
But so many times we stop at that information and part of inspiration. Part of the inspiration is walking down to the aisle and, and, and giving your heart to Christ or getting right and repentance or asking Him for help. The other half is whenever we turn because we have this thing between the altar and the door, right? We come down to the altar and we get a bunch of stuff figured out and before we get to the door, if we're not careful, we're back to where we were before we went to the altar. See, the change in the information really happened in Jonah's life whenever he was spit up on the beach, and now he has a choice. See, he repented. He was in, crying out from the belly of Shiloh. Think about that. Where can I go from the Lord? Where can I go? He figured it out. There ain't nowhere I can go from the Lord. But there's a difference between the omnipresence, which is God everywhere, and the intimate presence of God. The intimate presence of God, you know what the difference is? God, you're welcome here. That's it. I want your presence to be with me. I invite it to change me and to direct me and to guide me. Show me. Reveal things to me in your word that only your presence can reveal. That's the difference. But see, Jonah even had that decision. He's rocketed it out of the fish's mouth. And the transformation, the change happened as he began to walk towards Nineveh and away from Tarshish. Our problem is... Many times, if we're not careful, we get spit up. We've had the experience. We get spit up, and we still go to Tarshish anyways. We still go back to where we came from. And God has called us so much better than that. Oh, man, he gave his son so we could be better than that. Go towards Nineveh. See, inspire, in, is internal. Spire is to breathe. Action is the action of breathing. Inspire, so that it shows that inspiration has, has an effect. It's, it's a process here. Jonah was given the word, then he ran. He was warned on the ship, thrown overboard. The great fish swallowed him. And it was there that he was changed when he got on foot and started walking back. Now, very interesting here. I want to show you that the same thing happened to the Ninevites. See, what was going on in Jonah's life in this chapter is the same thing that's happening in the Ninevites. Let's look down at chapter, or let's look down at verse 6 here. The word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. What that means is he basically got a, something that symbols a burlap back and put it on. To get, get the fine clothes off of him, he sat in ashes, which shows men's destruction. And what he was doing is he's trying to be in the most humble state. Saying, God, I'm here to repent. Sackcloth and ashes to us is the altar call. God, I'm down here on my knees. I'm with my hands raised. I'm going to believe in what you say. Let's keep reading here. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and the nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let the man of the beast covered, uh, be covered with sackcloth. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, and we know the rest of the story. But it was not till they turned from their evil ways... Now, this is the thing. Whenever we turn from our evil ways, don't just stop doing things. Whenever we come down to the altar, and this is the, this is the, the inspiration, we're coming down, we're inspired to get out and walk, and then we want that, that transformation in our lives. What we tend to do is we come down here, and God, I've got time management issues, but then we leave the altar and we spend our time the way we did before. God, I have money issues, but then we leave the altar and we spend the money the way we did before. God, I got marriage problems, yet I still talk to my wife the way that I did before the altar call. And now I'm in a place that I'm going back to Tarshish. I'm going back to where I came from. And the thing is this, replace it. 
you come down and you have relationship problems, what do you need to change? And smart with it, start with the small things. In Ezekiel, it says this. It says, God loves the beginning. See, he loves the beginning of change. But see, that change comes from replacing what we used to do. We don't just stop doing evil or sin. But we replace it with holiness. We replace it with action towards the church. So if you have time management problems of wasting time, take that time up and come up here and volunteer to the church. And listen, God doesn't care if you're mopping floors or whatever. What I'm doing is I'm changing. I'm becoming different. I'm letting that transformation take place in me. The great hymnist, the great writer of Amazing Grace, great ship captain, was part of the slave trade and all that other stuff. He repented. And what did he want to do? He wound up mopping floors in a monastery. Why? Because he didn't care. It was about the change. It was about the information and the inspiration and now the transformation. And we got to change. we got to change. God, I don't agree... But I'm going to do it anyways. Think about this. Think about the evil way. They turned from their evil way. They did not merely stop. They kept doing things, just not evil things. This is the great thing. This is just the first step in transformation. It's the good that we're turning to God and not only relying on our CFC. Jonah was trying to rely on his intellect, his emotions, his feelings. And that's what got him in the bind. Because we've got to go back and search for the word. So what do we do? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Come to me, all you, labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But see, we can't stop there. Many times we want to stop there. God, you're going to give me rest, so I'm going to come to you. I'm going to answer the altar call. I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to be in my house. I'm going to go in prayer. But the next verse says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the thing that I learned from this pulpit here is the yoke is not what just connects the two oxen. It was the scarf that was worn around the rabbi's, uh, the rabbi's cloak to, to, to get everybody to understand that he was a teacher. And what it was saying is when you say take my yoke, it could also be translated take my teaching. Amen. So here's God before him saying, take my teaching upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke, take my teaching and learn from me. I, I, I see that you're labored. I, I see that you need rest. I see that it's all confusing and doesn't make sense. But the only way to get it to change is if you take my teaching. You've got to depart from the world. You've got to push all that stuff to the side. And you've got to take my teaching and my yoke upon you. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And then that's when that transformation happens because now we have a road map. You guys ever made up stuff as you go along? That's pretty tough, man. <laughs> you ever done that in business or in life sometimes, right? I'm just going to make it up as I go along. Good luck with that. <laughs> you better get an instruction manual. We have one. It's called the Bible, right? Brief instructions before leaving earth. That's kind of what it stands for. All right. That's not biblical. That's, that's just me. Okay. Listen, in the middle of this recognizing, okay, attitude, authority, and actions. Okay? Attitude as subpoints to this point. Attitude, authority, and actions. As I was praying about this, I was thinking, God, does my attitude reflect the change that happens, the transformation that I want? The way that I think, instead of thinking that I can't do it, instead of thinking that I'm not worthy, instead of thinking it's impossible, I choose to change my attitude and change my thinking and believe your word. 
Where you say, it is possible, I can do it, I am good enough. And then number two is recognize the authority of God. God, it is not by what I think or feel, and I'm not going to do what I think is right. You are the sovereign God, so if you say it, I'm going to do my best to try to make it happen. And then my actions. Does my actions follow up with understanding the authority of God? Do they follow up with understanding my attitude? God, I give you my actions. I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to speak differently. I want to do differently. My actions, attitude, and authority. God, I recognize your authority. Number three, the third truth that glares at me is this. God desires all people to follow him. Now, we know this. We know this. God desires all people to follow him. But this is the word. This is, this is what I want to tell you. God will send you a Jonah in your situation. In Matthew 5, 41, it says, When your brother asks you to go one mile, go with him yet another. This is the thing. God will not go against his principles. If he's instructed us to go one mile with a brother, guess what he's going to do with us? He's going to go the extra mile. So if we're crying out for salvation in people's lives, for salvations in families, guess what he's going to do? He's going to go the extra mile. And this is the thing. He's got better resources than we got. (laughs) Whenever we pray, it's not so much praying, God, save these people, because we know that God wants to save people. But let's, let's get on our knees and start asking God, God, send obstacles in the way of things that would lure them away from you. As you send a Jonah to them, as you send a situation to them, that way they can get close to you. Anything that would get in between them that's from the evil one, because we don't want hell to expand, we want heaven to expand. So in that process, God, as we pray, it's not just God, save them. We know God wants to save them. His desire is that all men would come unto him. So whenever we pray, be specific, God, any obstacles that's in their way that would keep them, because this is the thing, until Nineveh repented, God couldn't do anything. God's against wickedness. And he said, in 40 days, if you don't repent, I'm going to destroy your city. And he would have held to his word. Did it Sodom and Gomorrah? Did it in the flood? But yet it was the repentance that caused God to be able to move to the point where he relented from what he was going to do. So as we pray for these people, we all have family and friends and extended loved ones that we have that we know need Jesus. And as we pray, God, we pray against these evil forces that would keep them from the encounters that you have designed for them. We keep them from the nonsense that keeps them out of church sometimes. We pray against that, and we come up against that. Principalities and powers is really how the Bible puts it. Strongholds, amen? God cares so much about the people. Think about this, how much he cared about Nineveh. Jonah rebelled, still went back to Jonah. Jonah goes into the city that has destroyed Hebrews that was wicked. Matter of fact, it was so wicked it came up before the Lord. And if you, if you look back in the Bible, the, the, the wickedness of, of, of man at the, at the flood and of Sodom, it was horrible whenever the wickedness came up before God. So here he is with Jonah, and he still sends them after the city. Why? Because it goes back to that grace and mercy and love that we can't understand. See, God has this thing. He, I believe he has a soft spot for repentance. When we repent... And we get our act together whenever we see people repent. God can move and change. 
Think about this. In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who, repent, who repents. Now listen, I like having a nice car and a nice house. Don't, don't get me wrong with any of this stuff, okay? I believe that God wants us to walk in blessing. But last time I checked, the scripture does not say that heaven celebrates because I get a bigger house. Last time I checked, Scripture does not say that God celebrates because His saints are comfortable. Last time I checked, He does not celebrate because we get more money. But what does cause joy to come to heaven is when a sinner repents and whenever we pray them into the kingdom or God uses us as a Jonah it's so much bigger than we can imagine because now we're part of the joy in heaven oh my goodness whenever we get up there we get to see angels rejoicing why because people through our lives got saved so instead of grieving God's heart with the same old sin every time I move past that and move into praying for sinners to repent and praying for the backslidden to come back to Jesus and whenever I do I get to be a part of the joy instead of part of the grief that is awesome and the one thing I know that as you pray and as we pray more and more for people to come in, it makes you straighten your act up. It really does. Because God will start using you in a bunch of situations. You're like, wow, if I was, should have read my Bible last night. <laughs> I'd have been a great scripture. Or a lot of times what will happen is it'll put you in a situation and you'll go to your devotion and it's the exact same thing that you just encountered. He'll do it. He'll, he'll cause us to grow. God for a hundred years used Noah, used the angels in Sodom and Gomorrah, and used Jonah. This is what I want you to know. God's aware of your situation. This is what I want to warn you against, and I'm, I'm landing the bird. This is what I want to warn you against. Remember, God does not look at a man as a man looks at a man. This is what I know, and I'm only 36, so some of you guys who are 60 plus, 50 plus, you guys know way more than me. But this is what I do know. Storms change you. Storms that you go through, whether it's perfection, correction, or protection, it changes who we are. And whenever Jonah was spit up on the beach from the great fish, he didn't smell like I thought he would smell. He didn't look with seaweed wrapped around his neck like I thought he would. And he definitely didn't come out of a situation I thought he would come out of. Yet because of the word of the Lord, arise and go to Nineveh. And he obeyed. An entire town of 120,000 was saved. So whenever God sends the Jonah that you need, let's not get judgmental. Because, because this is the reality. This is reality. Y'all love people who aren't saved and you know people who aren't saved and you want them to get saved and no doubt you've spoken to them and you've encouraged them and you've invited to church. If your way would have worked, it would have already worked. Amen? <laughs> so whenever somebody else comes in the picture of another event, it doesn't look like we think it looks like or smell like we think it smells like. We've got to be careful. Because that person is an individual and God knows what's in their heart. Just like he knew Nineveh. Think about what he just took through Jonah through. Think about how much more effective Jonah was in Nineveh because he had just gone through it. Now, would he have been effective before? Yes. But I'm telling you, God will take an, turn your disaster into an amazing situation, man. He'll bring us to repentance. I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. That repentance began in that belly. Out of the belly of Sheol, God, where can I go from your presence? 
I know your presence is in Nineveh, whether I like it or not. Whether I agree with it or not, your presence is there. Whether I want it to be, your presence is there. My opinion doesn't matter. God, you told me arise and go to Nineveh, so I will arise and go to Nineveh. And as God calls you to be somebody's Jonah, hopefully you won't have to unwrap seaweed around your neck. Maybe just some sleep boogers, right? Much easier, much easier. But as God calls you to do that, arise. See, the difference here is simple. God, I know that you're here, but God, I want you to be here. Would you guys bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.